The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So we're transitioning um, to another Dharma story. Um, the uh, uh, great women disciples, the stories of the great women disciples of the Buddha that I've been speaking about this this uh, whole week. But I, I I kind of forgot one thing that I meant to say, uh, so I'm going to put it in now. Um, so, and that is, I forgot to say that um, this stories that I've been sharing up till now today, that it's best not to take them as some sort of absolutely absolute truth. <laughs> so, many details of this stories were kind of pieced together uh, from parts of the Pali Canon, uh, suttas, and commentaries, and so there's. Um, no way that we can be really definitive of all the details uh, that uh, that uh, came through. So uh, we hear this with some lightheartedness. And at the same time, uh, maybe each of the stories have uh, certain aspects of the teachings that are meaningful and inspiring for us and that are supportive uh, for the Dharma path. Uh, maybe that's good enough uh, to consider uh, taking some aspects of this in. And for the parts that are harder to connect and um, uh, are not connecting at all, we can simply put aside. And this is a kind of an art of learning how to uh, study and uh, work with uh, teachings that are offered in all different forms. And so in the ancient um, Buddhist traditions, or maybe, maybe almost all of the spiritual traditions, uh, storytelling has always been a very vibrant part uh, of uh, the teaching mode. And so because they touch us uh, in some ways that uh, may be quite different from uh, simply receiving a set of uh, instructions, for example. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm noticing my internet has uh, a little issue, so I'm just switching to a different internet right now. Um, hopefully this would work. So today, uh, yet another day, I'm bringing in a story maybe some of you would have already heard. This, this is a story of Kisakutami. And maybe what I'll offer, there'll be some new perspective here as well even uh, if you may have heard uh, the story of the Kisa Gotami. 
So Kisako Tami is said to be born uh, in a low caste family, and she's also very frail and weak. Uh, she's said to be quite uh, skinny and haggard. Uh, kisa, uh, the word kisa means fragile or haggard, and so that's what she's known as. And so, kind of a very fragile uh, woman, and because of that, uh, it was very hard for her to get married. And that was a challenge itself, I suspect, for a young woman in those days. But there's one day, a rich merchant,、um, a young man,、uh, somehow saw her and saw something different inside of her, and fell in love with her. And、uh, he decided、uh, to marry Kisakutai, even though the family、uh, didn't seem to. By in with this decision, nevertheless, the young the young man was、um, quite persistent, and so they got married. And、um, in those days, and maybe even today, for、um, some of the、uh, parts of the world, when、uh, young women get married, and they go to the husband's household to live, and that was. That was tough for Akisakotami because the in-laws often find faults in her, and、uh, it was very challenging. Even though、uh, the young couple seems to love each other very much, at some point、uh, Akisakotami、uh, was pregnant、uh, with a young boy, a baby boy, and when the little boy was born. Uh, this changed her life.、Um, the young boy was energetic, vibrant, and、uh, very cute and handsome. And all the grudges that the in-laws had、uh, with her went away. And so you can see how、um, uh, uh, how much this meant for Kisakotami. In a way that this young boy wasn't just bringing、uh, a new life into the family, but also had given Hisakotami a sense of life of her own, and her her own existence that depends on this young boy. So she was very happy for a while and very contented、uh, for a while, but that did not last very long. One day, the boy got sick, and very sick. Quickly, he died.、Uh, you can imagine the death of this child for Kisakotami was more than the death of the young boy, the son, because Kisakotami had kind of her life. Depends on this boy, so it's as if her life got taken away in this way.、Um, the whole family was distraught. They all turned against Kisakotami, blaming her, accusing her. You can imagine, you know, all the、uh, stuff that would come up、uh, in situations like 
like this. And even her husband began uh, to reject her. This was too much for Kisakotami, and a very short time, kind of the whole life changed from upside down. Maybe it was hours and days. And so she started hallucinating and began to imagine things. And so she refused to accept that her son had died. She imagined that she was, that he was just sick and needed a medicine to bring him back to normal. So he carried this young boy in her arms and start running from one household to another asking for medicine and to bring her son back to life. And everyone uh, she met said, no, your son was dead, and there's no way that you can bring her back. But at some point, um, she met this one um, uh, maybe wise, compassionate um, family who told her, uh, well, um, maybe you should see a physician who might be able to offer you a medicine to treat your son. And this physician is the Buddha. So you should go see the Buddha. As I get the sense that this wise person had sensed something within her, had some sense of hope or wisdom in her. And so he sent Isakotami to the Buddha. So Isakotami now had such a hope, a possibility, sense of the hope and possibility. So she ran to the Ananta Pintika's monastery where the Buddha stayed. In the middle of assembly that the Buddha held, she ran right in front of the, in, in front of, in front of the Buddha in total despair, and begged the Buddha, please, the Buddha, give some medicine to my son. And the Buddha stopped his teaching right then, and kindly, without dismissing her, without um, blaming, ridiculing, and he responded with this verses, that Kisakotami recounted later in the Legends of the Terries. And this was said, The Buddha, skilled in crafty speech, said, Bring me a white mustard seed, collected in whichever home where people dying is unknown. Okay, so the Buddha asked Kisakotami to collect white mustard seed from any household that didn't have death in their family. But in those days, the households people live in are kind of generations, you know, generations of people live in those house, households. And it's pretty impossible to find a house uh, that doesn't have anyone died in there. So Kisakotami went to each house well, first asking for the white mustard seed. Well, 
Mustard seed is very common in Indian cuisine, and so it's one of the spices pretty much everybody uses. So that was no problem. But when she get to the second part of the question, that was unexpected by Kisa Gotami. And so, was there any death? Well, mustard, yes, we have mustard seed, yes, we have. But how about if there's any death in the family? And everybody said, "Yes, there was death." So he came. She came back to the Buddha empty-handed. This journey itself was a powerful teaching, right there and then, as she already got a sense. Wow, no one escapes death. And this is inevitable. So she said, in her、um, poem, "Throwing away my baby's corpse, I went to the Buddha. Having seen me from distance, the Buddha said this to me: 'Better than a hundred years of life, not seeing how things rise and fall, is living for a single day.'" Seeing things rising and falling, this is the condition of the entire world, the impermanence of all that is. With that, Kisa Gotami opened the Dharma eyes, and she realized the truth of what the Buddha was pointing to. And、so this story reminded me、uh, many years ago when I did、uh, the Sati Center chaplaincy training.、Uh, I was going on to the patient grounds、uh, in the Kaiser Hospital, and also meeting with、uh, cancer patients and their caregivers. I remember very vividly each time I went and then going back home. It's like Being sent for mustard seeds, and again and again, I came back empty-handed. Who doesn't get sick, and who is not going to die? That was、uh, that hit me very strongly. Wow! But this is the truth of our lives, and so there is a reason why these are called divine messengers. Directly and deeply, they start challenging our grasping or and the tight grip we may have on on things that are ever changing. And for me, this is a still ongoing unfolding process. And yet, each time I meet this. There is a, such a secretness that's unfolding. I remember、uh, in the days when I was meeting with、uh, the cancer patients、um, that I was with. Each time sitting with them,、uh, my gratitude towards everything kind of deepens little by little. And also, 
I started witnessing the possibilities of liberating right there and then. Uh, the advanced cancer patients are, are moving through kind of the phases of uh, traumatic experience from the beginning and to maybe um, uh, surviving modes. And in some ways also in some kind of thriving mode that is not necessarily about defining uh, death but about how they live each moment. And so we had uh, coined a term that um, uh, we called this group, Can Thrive Group. And so uh, and there is a, some part of our lives that feels vibrant and thriving in the midst of um, maybe meeting with illness and faith uh, and the death. And so maybe this teaching um, from Kisako Tami offers this possibility for each of us to bow to the sacredness of our life and not to grasp on anything, but open to the possibility to thrive in the midst of all challenges and difficulties, even even the facing of a death. So thank you, everyone. May you have a wonderful, peaceful day.